All right, good morning, guys. Um, as Ali said, my name is Riley, and uh, yeah, I'd love, I'm thankful that I get to be with you guys. Looking out, it's, it's kind of like being at student camp again, actually, <laughs> I'm seeing. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so today uh, we're going to dive back into Ephesians, um, and actually, I, I love hearing uh, that was so encouraging to start out with, because Ephesians is all about God drawing a people to himself. And sometimes we forget that that drawing, he is drawing from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so that's such a beautiful reminder that what's happening in here and with us is happening all over the world. And that God is calling us to be part of it. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that story. And, and I love the book of Ephesians. It's, it's been one that I always come back to over and over. And, and we've just spent um, three weeks in the first 14 chapters, or I mean the first 14 verses, uh, chapters, um, the first 14 verses, and there's so much that we've already gotten, okay? And so we're going to look to see today what, what's next. And so I've asked Siggy to come and read um, for us. Um, Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 19. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness for, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he, lavished, sorry, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Thanks, Siggy. Great. Now, I am only preaching on verse 15 through 19. But I asked Siggy to, to read all of that to be, because, let's be honest, it's, I want to hear that over and over, right? Those are verses that are packed full of incredible truth. And then also, because sometimes when we preach through a book, we for, when we break it up, we forget that actually it's all one letter. And so the next part rolls out of the, the previous part. 
And, and so I want to make sure that we, we're looking back as we're, we're looking at the text that we're, we're looking at today. And so I would encourage you as we're, we're, re, we're going and working through Ephesians that, that to just read through the book. It's pretty short. You can do it in one or two settings. And uh, I think it will, will produce a lot of benefit for you as we, we go through the different, um, the different passages. And so this passage, starting in verse 15, is a prayer. So Paul is praying, and it flows directly out of the previous verses. And right from the first words, he's, remind, he's showing us that he's looking backwards for this reason. And so we see that Paul has just spent 11 verses recalling all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, that Paul has revealed this marvelous plan of God, and that he's reorienting us to the truth of who we are and who God has made us in Christ. And it is for this reason as well as the Ephesians' faith in Christ and their love for all the saints that, that Paul moves right into thanksgiving and, and being grateful for their, for, their, um, for their faith and then petitioning the Lord for them and petitioning um, and praying for them. Right, So throughout the first 14 verses, Paul is bubbling up with praise for God and his work in Christ. And Paul is motivated to pray for them because what of Christ has already done. His praise of God's work in Christ has given him reason to thank God for them and then petition God for them. Right? He desires that they would grow up into this truth. That it wouldn't be just something that they, they kind of theoretically know, but it would be something that they experience, that's something that's real in them. And so let's do a short recap, right? So in Christ, I, I probably won't cover all of them, but, but in Christ we are chosen, we're predestined, we're blameless, we're holy, we're forgiven, adopted, redeemed, we're steeled by the Spirit, and we have an inheritance, all for the praise of His name. And so I... You see those things, right? And, and they're amazing. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I know those and I can read them and say, yes, that's true, but that's not the experience of my everyday life. Right? And I think Paul understands that. He understands that, that there's a gap often between what we know and what we experience and what we live out of. And that's why I think he flows right into prayer. What he gets is that we need help to experience these things. We need help to close that gap in our lives. And so let's look at what Paul prays for. In verse 17, it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So right, he, what does he pray for? He prays for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying one thing, and that's it, one thing, and that's we would know God better. Everything else in the prayer is really expanding on that one idea. And of all the things that Paul could pray for, right, he could pray that their circumstances would change. You can guarantee that there's probably hardship in their life. There's things that might be holding them back. There might be conflict. 
But no, Paul is asking that they would know God more. Because he understands that there is nothing more important in this world than knowing God better. Our biggest need is not a changed circumstance. Our biggest need is that we would know God. And Paul understands that it is through knowing God that we would grow up into who God has made us, into the people that he declares us to be. And it's through this that we are able to embrace, right, that new identity and and that we can be confident in the plan and purposes of God. And the thing is, this is spiritual maturity. So often, you know, we we think of maturity as a set of behaviors, a, a list of things to do and don't do. But through this prayer, what Paul is doing is he's reorienting us to the truth that maturity comes from knowing God. You know, what, what we do does matter. We don't throw that out, but it matters because it reveals to us what we truly believe, God, who God is, and it truly, it truly reveals who we see ourselves as. But right, Paul isn't just praying that they would know about God. He wants them to have a personal, intimate knowing of God, right? And this is the job of the Spirit. And that's why he prays for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul wants the Ephesians to know the continual revealing, illuminating work of the Spirit. And that's what we need. That's what we need here today is we need the Spirit to open our eyes to who God is and and what Christ has done, right? And that's salvation. That's our salvation. And, And now he reveals to us more and more of who God is and his incredible blessings that we have, that we've been given, right? We continually need insight into our faith, and so I was trying to think of a kind of a story to explain this. And, and what came to mind was, was a, a story from, uh, from Stefan and, and my honeymoon, right? So we, we went to the coast of Mozambique and we got to go um, snorkeling. And uh, Stefan had been quite a bit and, and I had never been snorkeling. And uh, when we got to the beach, we realized that one of the masks was broken, so Stephen, being the, the good husband, said, okay, no, I don't, I don't you, you know, I can see just fine underwater, so you take yours. Um, and so we went, and we, we went, and we were um, under the water, and, and it was amazing, right? Like, I, I was introduced to a world that I'd never seen, the beauty of it. There's, there's the coral that's this bright, vi- vibrant colors. There's fish that are, are purple and yellow, and they're swimming all over the place, and and I have to be honest, it, it, it almost caught my breath. It was so beautiful. And so we were down for a couple minutes and then we came up and Stephen looks at me and he goes, ah, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, there wasn't much there. Maybe if we go down a little bit, like, you know, there'll be something better. And I, I, I kind of looked at him and if you know Stephen, I, I kind of thought that he was joking because that's what he does. And, and I said, really? And the, what happened was that he... He didn't have the means to see clearly. His vision was, was cloudy and, and yeah, he could see a, a few fish here and there, 
but he wasn't able to see the truth that was right in front of him. And that's, that's this job of the Spirit. He gives us eyes to see the beauty of God. He, sees us, he gives us eyes to see what he has given us and to see the reality that God has made through Christ. And that's what Paul is saying when he goes on and uses this beautiful word picture, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul is explaining what happens when God gives a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So in the, in the Bible, the heart, so we often make that synonymous with, with how we feel. But in the Bible, it's really the seat of the will, the intellect, and the emotions. So it's, it's really the core of who we are. And so he is praying that God, through his spirit, will open the eyes of our inner being to grasp and experience the beauty and the greatness of who he is and the fullness of his blessings in Christ. It is through the work of the Spirit that we have the proper spiritual eyewear, right? To see the truth that is in front of us. The truth that's there, that is actually what reality is. It's often though we live with cloudy vision. And so the purpose of the spiritual eyesight is that we might know three things. Right? So Paul highlights three things that he wants us to see and know and experience. So he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. And so I want to take kind of the rest of our time to look at each of these three things and, and look at what the impact in our life is if we actually know them. So the first one, right, it says the hope of his calling. So hope, what's hope, right? I think often nowadays we, we think of hope, we use it as kind of I, I wish. I wish something would happen. I wish I'd get that job. I hope I get that job. I hope my sports team wins, right? It's something that, eh, it might happen, and I'm, I'm just really wishing that it will. It's not a certainty. But that's not how the Bible uses hope. Hope here and in the scripture is an absolute certainty, a future certainty of what will happen. Paul wants us to know that God's call, right, our salvation, we've talked about that, that God calls us, makes a radical and positive change to our future. Because we are in Christ, we are growing up into the truths that Paul has spoken of already in Ephesians. And he speaks, and you read about all over in Scripture. Right? And as Sarah explained last week so well, we are now being transformed and changed. And it will be completed. It will be completed. That's our hope. And it's because of what Christ has done. Not because of us. But what has already been done, we can know what our future holds. So we will be presented to Christ without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We will appear with Christ in glory. 
God will complete the work he has begun in us. And the thing about this hope, it includes our physical bodies, right? We will have renewed bodies without pain or illness. And there will be no more poverty or war or injustice. That is what will happen. And that's the hope of our calling. Because Christ has secured it, we know, we know it will happen. But we need illumination by the Spirit to really massage that knowledge into our hearts, into the fabric of who we are. And we need to keep asking over and over, because I don't know about you, but I get distracted, right? I get distracted so easily. And and to be honest, the world is shouting something completely different. So maybe you get distracted by the allure of the world, right? There's so many beautiful things out there, and they're good things. But you might believe that your hope is found in having the right job. Life will be so good once I have the right job, when I marry the right person, or have that, you know, Instagram-worthy house. Maybe it's just... My life will be so much better if I could just get through this year of studies, right? Our hope is in the end of that. And those are all good things. But they're they're never going to give you what you're looking for. Or, Or maybe you get distracted by just the evil in the world. You look around and 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 it just makes you forget about the hope you have. Right? For a long time, my habit in the morning, it's a very bad habit, was to pick up my phone and read the news. I love the news. I really love the news. But you read it, and I can feel my eyesight getting cloudy. I can feel my hope draining because I see all the corruption in the world, the injustice that surrounds me. And the truth about whether you're distracted by the allure of the world or you're distracted by the evil in the world is that both of them lead to hopelessness. So if you see your job, your spouse, your studies as your hope, you will exhaust yourself chasing after these things. And you'll either never get them and be in despair or you get them and realize that they aren't enough. And then it's something else, and then it's something else. Or if you allow the evil and injustice around us to cloud your hope, you either resign yourself to, gosh, that's just the world will be. It's just the way the world is. And you become calloused and numb to the pain around you. Or you throw yourself wholeheartedly into justice initiatives, which is a good thing. Those things are good. But you throw yourself into it and that you're determined to fix things. And then when you don't, you try harder. And you exhaust yourself. Right? And we see this all around us. We live in a, in a time where people are exhausted from, 
from chasing after things. We see hopelessness and despair. Anxiety. Because you can't quite get this, this hope that you're looking for. And what Paul is praying for is that we would see the beauty and the truth and know with certainty that the hope we have in our calling is certain, it's, it's coming. And that we would rest in that because it doesn't depend on us or on anyone else or anything else. And this frees us to be a people of hope Right? It frees us to throw ourselves wholeheartedly into justice initiatives because we know ultimately it doesn't depend on us. And we know that they will be fixed one day. Maybe not in our lifetime, but that God is at work and he's, 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 he's bringing justice. He will bring justice. He will put an end to poverty and pain. And it gives us courage to go all out in our jobs, right? And in our studies, and not because we get anything from them, but because they're a way we can worship God. God's given us those things so that we might worship Him and that we might be able to bring hope in dark places, in hard places. Yes, we grieve and mourn right? The pain and the suffering and the brokenness in ourselves and in the world around us, but we grieve with a longing for what is to come, not despair. And so let us pray for the Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts so that we may experience the hope that we have in His calling, that we might be a people of hope. So what's the next thing that that Paul wants us to know? He wants us to know the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so when I hear the word inheritance, you might remember back to verse 14 where it says the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, right? But Paul isn't here so much talking about what God will give us but about what he has in us. He thinks of us as his inheritance, right? This is, in the Old Testament, we see this is how how Israel is often described. She was called the Lord's portion, the Lord's inheritance. And that's what we are. We are the Lord's portion, the Lord's inheritance. We are his treasured possession, Guys, God delights in his people. And not, you know, not only do we have an inheritance, right? That seems unbelievable to me. But what is more amazing is that we, as God's people, are his inheritance. Not because of anything we have done or anything we will do, but because we are hidden in Christ. And so Paul prays for his readers to know and to see clearly the extraordinary value that God puts on us. And this is true 
of all who are in Christ. So it's true of you. It's true of me. I just, I just want to pause here. Because this is an incredible truth that I don't think we talk about enough. So if you are a Christian, you are God's inheritance. You are his treasured possession. He chose you and he rescued you. He made you part of his people so that you could be his treasured possession. Guys, this is vital that we get. This is vital to the living, the life of faith. And we desperately need the, the Spirit to, to really massage that truth into who we are over and again. Because this has incredible implications for our life, right? Being secure in our value and worth helps us live in humble confidence and to be that salt and light that God has, wants us to be and he's called us to be right? It enables us to love those that hate us because their opinion doesn't affect my worth. It allows us to respond to scorn and mockery with gentleness. It allows us to admit when we're wrong because if your worth is determined by what you do and you know that you've wronged someone, it becomes very difficult to admit and to ask for forgiveness. And it frees us of shame and guilt. Because God knew. When he chose you, he knew. He knew what you were going to do before you knew him. He knew what you were going to do after you knew the truth of who he was. And he still chose you. So let us pray that the Spirit will give us clear vision to see that we are God's glorious inheritance, that we might be a humbly confident people that are able to lavish love on others. And what's the third one? The third one that Paul prays that we might know is that we might know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. So it's interesting because throughout Ephesians, we see this idea of, of power and God's power over and over. In fact, in, in just a couple chapters, there's going to be a prayer just on God's power. And, and I just want to point out two things in this, one, in this, this piece. Is that first... Look how Paul describes God's power, right? Immeasurably greatness. So God's power and strength is, is really, I mean, it's huge, right? It's bigger than we can even fathom and imagine. And this is important for us that we might be confident to know because the outcome of something, whether it succeeds or fails, is determined by the power or strength directed at it, okay? So I just want to give you a bit of a silly example, right? So I was a soccer player all the way through university, and a big chunk of our time was spent in the weight room. I know you might not see that now. Um, 
And, uh, and so I, when, I, when I was in the weight room so much, I could actually squat a decent amount. I, I could squat about 250 pounds, which is 100 and, about 113 kilograms. Um, but if you asked me to squat 190 kilograms, there's no way I could move it. In fact, I, I wouldn't even, I would probably not even be able to get it off the rack, right? And if I did somehow wiggle it, manage to get it off the rack, I would really crumple under the weight of it, right? But if you asked uh, a football player, an American football player, one of those big guys, to do that and to lift it, to squat it, no problem. Put it on his back, go down, up, loads of times, right? It would be easy for a lot of those guys because they had the strength to accomplish the task. And what Paul wants to see, to see is that God has the power and the strength to accomplish the task and any task that he desires. Right? And the second thing that I want to point out here is where his power is directed. This is not a general, his intrinsic God is powerful that Paul's talking about. Paul wants us to know that God's immeasurably great power is directed towards those who believe. So that's us. God's power is directed towards us. This is the power of our salvation Right? That takes something that's dead and makes it alive. That's us. He takes us that were dead and makes us alive. And then he transforms us into the likeness of Christ. And Paul wants us to know that the resources available to us through Christ are incredible. Guys, we need to know we need to know at the foundation of who we are that God is able to accomplish the task of our transformation. That he has the strength and the power enough to do that. Guys, we weren't meant to be defeated people. To be stuck in patterns of addiction and sin. Right? So many of us can feel captive to sin. I bet if I went around the room, every single one of us could think of an area of our life that we feel powerless against, that we feel like just we can't change. And so often we either hide it or we ignore, we ignore it, thinking, ah, that's just the way I am. I, I just can't change it. Or we can desperately cry to change it, change ourselves on our own strength. Guys, when we do that, we will eventually crumple under the weight. Because we aren't strong enough to finish that task. We might be able to find some victory for a little while. But then the same things come up and up, over and over. And in Christ, but in Christ, we have access to immeasurably great power so that we might have victory over sin. And I think this is where we need to be reminded of the corporate nature of God's blessings. 
Sometimes the most important way we can experience God's power is through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Guys, we aren't meant to fight sin on our own. We need each other. Now, I'm not saying that we can't find victory over sin without community. God can do whatever he wants in whatever manner he wants. But I'm just saying that in my life, in the lives of people around me, Lasting victory comes as we access God's power through community and in community. So let us pray that the Spirit will give us eyes to see and experience the greatness of God's power in our lives, that we might find a victor- we might be a victorious people. Guys, Paul wants us to, to have spiritual eyes to know of our certain future. He wants us to know of our great value that God has given us. And he wants us to know the power that we have access to. You know, sometimes I can think of the Christian life as a bit of a checklist. There is nothing more gratifying to me than checking something off, right? And so I look at this list of three things and I can, I can start thinking, ah, yeah, no, 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 I know that check and um, I, I sort of know that, uh, I'm not quite experiencing it, but we'll check it off just to make myself feel better and, and yes, that one too. But the truth is, I said, I may know some of them, I may have start, scratched the surface of them, but I can never exhaust the knowledge of these things. I'm continually learning more and more of the depth of God's um, blessings for me. And this side of heaven, right, we can never fully know these things, but we can grow in our understanding and our experience of them. And the thing is, the world, right, it distracts us so often, right? It tells us that our hope is found in, in, in what we do, and it tells us that our hope is, is if we just can, you know, move there or, or get that thing or have more money. And the world tells us that our value is in what we do and the things that we own, Right? And the world tells us that the power comes from within. You are strong enough. You can do it, right? We're constantly just constantly told things that are counter to what the truth of who, who God, what God, the blessings that God has for us. And so it makes our sight cloudy. And so we need to come back again and again and ask the Spirit to give us eyes to see and to give us our, their spiritual eyes to experience the beauty of these truths. And that's how we respond, right? We respond by asking God 
and continually asking. We make this our prayer again and again. We spend time thinking on and meditating on all the spiritual blessings that have been mentioned. We, we meditate on the marvelous plan of God. And we ask the Spirit to give us eyes to see. But we don't just do this for ourselves. Let's remember that God is making a people for himself. He's not making a person. He's making a people, right? And that's one of the most wonderful things that we can do to participate in being God's people is to pray for one another. And that's what Paul's modeling here, right? He's modeling what it looks like to pray for his brothers and sisters, He's modeling to us what is the most vital, important thing that we can know, that we, we need, is to know God. And yeah, I, pro- I, I do believe that he probably plays this for himself, and, and we, we need to pray this for ourselves. But we need to pray this for each other. And so that's, what I wanna, that's how I want to close out, is that I want to pray this right, over one hope and over us. And so let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the, my brothers and sisters that are here, that are watching this. Lord, I thank you for their faith in you, I thank you for the way that they love each other. I thank you for the way that they have loved our family. Lord, and I pray. I pray that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, that they would know you better. That the spirit, Lord, spirit, I pray that you would do your illuminating work And that you would open the eyes of their hearts. That at the core of who they are, they would know you. And that as they know you, they would experience and know the blessings that are on offer to them. Father, would they know the hope to which you have called them? Father, would they know that their future is certain and that it's glorious? And Lord, would you free them? Would you free them to be a people of hope in the communities that they find themselves, whether that's in in their jobs, in their families, in their, their classes, Father? Father, would you, would they know the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints? Would they know that you are, they are precious to you? Father, that you chose them, that you picked them, and you called them to yourself so that you would be able to delight in them. And Father, would this free them from having to prove themselves, to having to find worth and value in what they do, in who they know, in what they own. 
Father, would they be secure in you, what you say of them? And Father, would you, would you help them know the immeasurable greatness of your power towards them, towards us? Father, that you are strong enough to accomplish the task that you set before yourself. To complete the work that you started in us through salvation. Father, that you are transforming each and every one of us into the image of your son. Lord, I pray that you would give hope in places of of despair, places that people feel captive to sin. I pray that they would access the power available to them through the community that you've placed them in. Father, would each of us love each other well and come along each, alongside of one another. Thank you, Lord, that you have done all these great things in Christ for our benefit and your glory. Amen.